You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, hey, Flying the Call is back, and today I'm super excited to share the last of the pre-hiatus episodes. This one's with Sincere Engineer. I think I mentioned in my first episode back that Bless My Psyche was my number three album of 2021. It really just has all of the energy and grit and emotion that I want from a punk album, and it's really the reason that I listen to this type of music. It takes the debut album, Rhombithian, and really turns it into this polished full album experience. I think I have a greater appreciation for Bless My Psyche because it comes off of Rhombithian. You know, if I just heard Bless My Psyche on its own, it's still an amazing album, but seeing the growth in songwriting and lyricism and just about everything between the two albums makes me that much more excited to see what Sincere Engineer has in store next for us. We're talking about Dina's mindset while writing the album, how her relationship with producer Matt Jordan helped to form the Sincere Engineer sound, and we're talking about touring as well. Because this episode's a little over, we do mention uh, a tour with Prince Daddy and the Hyena and Hot Mulligan, which has already passed, but they do have a spring tour coming up in April where they're going to be playing with the Menzingers and Oso Oso, so that's definitely one that you're going to want to check out. I do always like to ask about kind of like the timeline for records and especially like lately and with Rambithian being like four years old at this point, what was kind of like the writing and recording process like for uh, Bless My Psyche? Um, so during this last like four years, there was like a lot of, um, I mean, I still have like a full-time job and um, we were like touring a little bit on the, the first record and stuff. So I found it kind of hard to juggle, you know, having time to like write and stuff um, in between all that. And I also uh, went to grad school for the last two years, like, online, so uh, that added a bit of time. But yeah, like, most of the songs were written, like, more than two years ago at this point. And then, like, with COVID happening, we couldn't record when we wanted to, and we signed to Hopeless, um, which added some time, too. So it's been, like, delay and, that, like, hurry up and wait sort of deal. It doesn't feel like four years went by. <laughs> uh, I mean, with, like... The, the hopeless announcement and the first single being like almost 10 months ago at this point. I know. And then <laughs> trust me, and like the announcement of the album officially was like back in May. I know the rollout as a fan has been like this mix of like tantalizing and torturous, but like how, how has it been for you? Uh, pretty much the same. Like I jumped you know, between like wanting to put it out just like right away. And then everybody was like, well, no, like touring's not back. You should wait. So, you know, everybody had an opinion on it. And I was just kind of, we like prolonged it just because, you know, to try to make it closer to when we can actually play 
the songs from it, you know? So I was definitely excited, like, the minute it was done being recorded, because it was already, like, in my mind, a year delayed. Uh, I, I mean, you mentioned, like, previously you've had kind of, like, a hard time getting into the, the mindset of writing. I'm curious, now that uh, this album has been done for so long, and it's like the world's kind of been on pause in some ways, like, have you started working on newer stuff even? I have, yeah. And it's going much faster, knock on wood. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I, like, kind of um, used that, like, extra time from the delay to my advantage, because I was like, you know, if I had, like, a weaker song, I would, uh, and, and, like, I wrote a newer one um, that was maybe a bit stronger, I would, like, swap it out and put it on this record, so then I'll, like, work workshop the uh, older ones or whatever. So, I think maybe it, you know, maybe it benefited the overall product in the long run. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the things that, like, stands out to me about the album is, like, the the flow of it. Like, I thought that, um, you know, the string of singles from Trust Me to Out of Reach, like, did a really good job of kind of showcasing the different sides of Since Sincere Engineer. And it was like, it, it felt like everything clicked when I was like, oh, those are the first three tracks on the album. <laughs> How did you kind of, like, approach, like, the, the sequencing and stuff? Um, my producer does, like, all of that. That's why they, like, he, like, makes them, like, intertwine, you know? Um, I really don't. I, ju- I just write the song. <laughs> from there, they get, like, put together. Uh, so, you have you heard the whole thing? Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm, like, very nervous about the ones that have not been released yet. I'm, like, wondering what people are going to think of them. <laughs> well, um, I, one of the ones that I write, wrote down that I wanted to talk about is Hurricane of Misery, which is, like, one of my favorites on the album. I feel like that... It's got like, it's like this posy energy, like anthem almost. Uh, like, how did that one come together? It's about vomiting. <laughs> <laughs> like, the hurricane of misery is literally vomit in a toilet. That's the weirdest one to me. So, I'm glad that you like it because I was worried that people would be like, what is this? <laughs> Maybe it doesn't seem that weird to other people, but it did to me. Yeah, I feel, I feel like that's one of the ones that I can see like really popping off at like a show. <laughs> really? Okay, cool. We haven't even played it together yet which is fun. We have band practice tonight, though. Oh, so. nice, nice. <laughs> and, I mean, as someone who hasn't been able to experience this since your engineer live show, like, how would you describe the, your uh, performance style? <laughs> um, I'm usually a nervous wreck, and, uh, and then it's over. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's fun. People seem to have fun. We try to keep it energetic, for sure. But, yeah, leading up to it, like, we have the uh, release show in less than a month here. And I am already nervous. <laughs> so, nice. Good times. <laughs> um, and then I feel like on, you know, on the album as a whole, there's like this really kind of bigger range compared to Ron Bithian. Like it feels like a kind of natural evolution of it. Hmm. Like the the keyboards layered into like Tourniquet and Coming In Last yeah. are ones that especially stand out to me. I'm curious how you kind of like approached like the expansion of the band sound. Um, that was uh, also, I would say, probably Matt, my producer's doing. We were, or like, Franz Nikolai from uh, The Hold Study. Are you familiar with him? Mm, yeah. Um, he offered to play on it, which was, like, crazy. And I was like, of course. <laughs> so I, like, had to, you know, take him up on that. Um, and that's, like, where we got a lot of those, like, keyboard and, um, like, the the accordion and the, the organ stuff. I think that really, it added, like, such an awesome layer to the whole thing. He played on, like, six of the 10 or 11 tracks. And I I really like the way it like carried through the whole thing and he killed it. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, I mean, you've mentioned your producer a couple of times, kind of like being sort of this guiding force in the band in some ways. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about like that relationship? 
Yeah, totally. Um, he's like basically like the fifth member. Him and I are like, like I bring the songs to him and then him and I like workshop them and then we show my band and my band adds their ideas. So he's uh, a very important part of the process and he's like the, he saw me play a show acoustic like when I first started and he he's the one that like approached me and he was like, I think I could help you make your songs like, you know, way huge. And, uh, and I, you know, and at first I was like, who is this guy? But I'm really glad I like called him after because I don't know. Then we like, we wrote, uh, like the first record is uh, basically me and him and uh, Kyle, my bassist, uh, or sorry, guitarist, um, played bass. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird way of approaching it, but it's what it is. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I guess that kind of like that evolution from, you know, you, you playing acoustic to, you know, making like these this big like punk record. I'm curious what were kind of like some of the like sonic stepping stones or inspirations for the for the sound. Um, I'm not really sure. I mean, I when I like first recorded with Matt, I was like uh, assuming it would be like acoustic record with light percussion and he was like no man I, I think it's gonna be like full-blown punk and I you know just did it and it was awesome like what I heard so nice I mean how did that kind of you know that you were kind of in control of that part how did that like influence you know the, the follow-up for bless my psyche sure uh, I mean well like, I don't know if people, like, know this, but my band, uh, like, he introduced me to my bandmates, so, like, I didn't even know them when I first started working on the first record, so it was totally, like, his thing, and they're, like, my best friends now, so I, like, I trusted his judgment, and I was like, yeah, whatever, I, let's make it huge. That didn't answer your question. Uh, I think, ju- yeah, just because now that we, like, know each other and we've spent a lot of time in a van together, it was, like, way easier to make it, like, a collaborative group project, you know? So for Rumbithian, I like I was admittedly late to it. I think I found it in like 2019. Um but uh I love the audio tree session that you did just as much. Like I have a playlist where I sequence those songs into the album. And I'm curious kind of like how you kind of keep the the same energy that you have live and like capture that in the studio. Well we I, I don't know. Uh we like we recorded all our parts separately because we did during COVID. Um that's, I mean, we'd probably do the same. I don't know. I don't really know how to answer <laughs> it. I, I guess just, uh, I, it's, I guess it's like mostly the vocals and stuff and like the hard hit, hitting drums, like Adam's super good at, um, you know, playing the right parts at the right time. Um, I don't know. That's a hard question to answer. <laughs> and I mean, like lyrically, you, it reminds me a lot of like bands like the One Years or Spanish Love Songs with the real kind of like, you know, shoot from the hip, like here I am, flaws and all kind of style. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm curious how you kind of like approach that side of your songwriting. Honestly, that's just kind of what comes out. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this this time around, I was like more in like a exhausted sort of mindset this whole like two years or whatever just because I had, like, tacked on, like, between the band and my day job at school, it was, like, I think that kind of shows through a lot in the lyrics, just being defeated and, like, tacking too much on and it being your fault because you said yes to it and, yeah, stuff like that. Like, there's, like, no free time. That's, like, what Recluse is all about. Like, trying to make the most of the hours that you have after you do all the stuff you already committed to doing. Yeah, and uh, Recluse is one of the ones that, like, I feel like that could probably have like a really different meaning or like a meaning that changed with like the extended periods of like forced limited interactions and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has the meaning like changed for you at all? Um, 
No, I would say not. I'm, I've got like, I finished school, so I've got like some more free time to myself, but I'm definitely less stressed in that regard. But, you know, other things come up and there's more stress to be had. So. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess overall, you kind of like, we're hitting on this a little bit, um, that like, you know, mental health and stress, uh, stress and stuff are kind of uh, part of the crux of the album, especially on like the title track and uh, like drive across the finish line, Recluse. Um, how did that kind of like end up becoming like the, the crux of the album? I uh, I don't think that was like intentional. I think just uh, because I was in the same mindset, like the whole time and it just kind of flew that way. Um I mean, there's, like, the, like, underlying, like, sort of love songs, too, that, like, kind of tie into that. I don't know, I guess it was just, like, they were all kind of written over the sa- the span of that one year or two years or whatever, so, you know, my life hasn't changed dynamically. Like, even during COVID, like, I still had to work my day job, just, like, I, we couldn't work from home, so uh, I didn't really have that, like, isolation. And, yeah, I mean, you mentioned kind of, like, love and relationships being like a almost like a secondary theme kind of through line throughout the album but can you talk a little bit about that side of things as well and kind of like I guess just the decision to like you know be so kind of hard on your sleeve in a way yeah totally um I mean I think that just like it comes easy to me to write like that so I, I definitely try to uh like if I have something to say and I can tie it in I will like do that um like that line in like recluse about the the taxi driver and stuff like that like it actually happened <laughs> um so you know i don't know i'm in like a relationship now i've been in like been in it for like five years now um but i don't know i can still kind of grab at the stuff that i felt when when i was like alone and really sad about that kind of stuff <laughs> so and i mean you've mentioned a couple of times about you know like finishing up your master's and um, I feel like that could almost be surprising to some people, like compared to the way you present yourself in the music, which is kind of like this hectic all over the place yeah, thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's just some paper, you know, I still make stupid decisions all the time. So. I feel like there's kind of like a dichotomy between those two sides of things. And I'm curious, like, if your music kind of like affects the way you kind of like view yourself or like, uh, you know. For sure, process. Yeah. <laughs> um, it like it kind of reminds me of like uh, when I was in high school. I was in like honors classes, but I hung out with all the punks. So I would, so they'd be like, you know, like cut class or be like, oh, homework's stupid, and I'd be like, yeah. But then I'd go do my homework, <laughs> and like I'd go to science club. So I was like being a little poser about it. Uh, yeah, I think that's just kind of like I've always been like a nerd, but maybe not like the smartest nerd. <laughs> that makes sense and I still like I love punk so it was like go to the punk show after the homework stuff sort of stuff. <laughs> gotcha gotcha yeah I was pretty pretty similar <laughs> yeah nice. yeah I like I don't know my parents like valued or value education a lot so I wanted to like check that off the list so they could like it like I wasn't gonna like quit college to do music because they'd be like well what are you doing <laughs> so I was like yeah I did that now I'm gonna try sure yeah and I mean I guess now that both of those kind of sides of things, the education and the music are kind of reaching in some ways like a peak, like how is that kind of like affecting the way you're kind of like moving forward with stuff? It's like super hard because like, you know, I'm at a point where like with the masters, I could like be a supervisor at my job, but I don't want to like do that and then be like, oh, by the way, I'm going to be gone for three months because I'm going on tour. 
and similarly, like, I don't want to jump ship from the job yet because the insurance is nice. <laughs> so it's like, I guess I'm just like juggling it and seeing what happens. And I like doing both. I like like having a day job that's completely unrelated because it kind of keeps me sane and like stuff to write about because I see di- different people every day and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess my goal is to juggle it for as long as I can, I guess. <laughs> Even if it drives me crazy. <laughs> Another one of the things that's kind of like really exciting is, you know, you've mentioned the tour a couple of times, like, you know, big shows with Prince Daddy and uh, Hot Mulligan. And obviously that's like kind of a sum of two uh, pre-COVID tours with, you know, Hot Mulligan having a break headliner and then the Prince Daddy when you guys you were supposed to be on. Um, but you kind of like most looking forward to about kind of being back on the road. Um, just getting to hang with my bandmates and meet all those, those uh, bands. And yeah, I mean, it's been so long, so it's like kind of weird to think about. I'm actually kind of nervous about it, but we don't have to <laughs> discuss the negatives. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of hoping it's like a the safest it can be and like, you know, everything goes according to plan. And yeah, I don't know. I'm with my band eating food. <laughs> my favorite part of tour <laughs> yeah and i mean it seems like the the kind of community aspect of the music is something that you know is really important to you can you talk a little bit about that yeah totally um i mean just like even just here in chicago like uh the scene or whatever is like super supportive and i like that i could like go to a random bar and there's like people that i know that are either there or working there or i don't know it's like a really close-knit sort of thing and then when you get to like hang with other bands from different cities, it like makes the world even smaller to you. You know, <laughs> everyone's super cool. <laughs> and um, I'm curious, like, what are some of the like albums that you've been either excited about so far this year or really looking forward to? Hot Mulligans, uh, you'll be fine. I actually haven't heard their new EP yet. I think I I I gotta listen to it. What else? Uh... I like Brockhampton a lot. They put out a new record. Yeah. Uh, I kind of been listening to a lot of like old, like uh, Fleetwood Mac and stuff like that. Nice, <laughs> so I've nice. uh, been keeping up with like the scene as best as I probably should be. But, you know. Yeah, I feel like that could also be something that would like surprise people to hear that you are kind of like diving into older music. Uh, what is it kind of like that's been hitting uh, hitting the right strings for you with that stuff? Totally, yeah. I mean, I grew up on that stuff, and I worked in a dental office for a long time that played, like, the oldie station constantly, so I spent years, like, just, it's, like, stuck in my brain, so it kind of makes me feel nostalgic. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I would say, like, the last three months, probably 80% of what I listened to is old stuff. My whole band is really into, like, Steely Dan and uh, stuff like that, so... And then uh, I kind of like to wrap up every episode the same way, which is uh, just by asking for, you know, a piece of advice or something that you've been thinking about that you wanted to share, whether it's like music or life or, you know, whatever else. Um, be nice to people and uh, I don't know, try not to worry about the small things too much. I'm not really good at advice. I need, I need it more than I need to give it. So. <laughs> I mean, is there anything that uh, we haven't talked about that you've been, like, really excited for, you know, with the, the album rollout and, you know, people starting to hear stuff? Um, I don't think so. I don't know. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess just uh, comes out on September 10th. Um, and I'm very nervous. <laughs> 
Awesome, and there we go. That's my conversation with Deanna of Sincere Engineer. Like I said at the beginning, be sure to check out uh, Spring Tour with the Menzingers and Oso Oso. If you haven't listened to Sincere Engineer, I can highly recommend their entire catalog. And even if you do know them already, if you haven't listened to the audio tree session, that's just what the doctor ordered when you need a jolt to wake you up in the morning. So that is amazing. And this band is just like one of my favorite acts of the last few years. I'm still really riding the high of coming back to the podcast. And I'm so excited that I finally shared all of the pre-hiatus episodes because that means I get to share some of the new ones I've been recording. I've been really discovering a lot of amazing new music that came out at the tail end of last year that's already come out this year and stuff that will be coming out soon. I'm so excited to share that stuff with you and you know really show where the pod is going this year. So definitely stay tuned for the ride. You're, you're going to really enjoy it, I think. Find the Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show. Jariah for the theme song, and Michaela Jane for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyingTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyingTheCallPod at gmail.com. Tell your favorite band you love them today. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.